morning, everyone. Glad that you are with us today as the church gathers on this, the Lord's Day. Uh, we aren't gathering in the sanctuary. I'm the only one here. Uh, but we are gathering in homes. Uh, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there is he in the midst of us. Uh, and so uh, wherever you are at, you are the church today in that place. And that's the way the ancient church was anyway. It was house churches. Uh, so glad uh, that you're at church uh, this morning. And uh, today we're going to continue on with our teaching series we started uh, last week called A New Hope, Overcoming Your Past and Embracing God's Future. Uh, and, and that's all about uh, putting your hope in God. And we'll talk about how putting your hope in God is, is how we embrace God's future for us. But a couple of things before we get started. One of them is uh, we just launched a new app uh, this week. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to download that. Uh, you can just update on Android, on, on Apple. I think you got to delete the old one and then uh, download the new one uh, in there. And it's, it's got some great features in it, uh, including a Bible and the, the notes for the sermon. You can actually fill them in right on, on, the, uh, on the app. Uh, it's got life group questions that come out of the sermon uh, as well. And then one other reminder, next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month, and so we'll be celebrating communion together again uh, in each of your homes. So just a reminder to uh, maybe have some bread ready to go and some juice uh, ready to go, and uh, at the, uh, probably at the end of the service, we'll, we'll celebrate communion uh, together as a church uh, family, as a church family. Um, so last week we kind of kicked this off talking about living hope and how we have this living hope in Christ Jesus. It's not, um, it's not a dead thing. It's not, you know, uh, tentative. It, it's based in Christ Jesus. Jesus is our hope and that's alive and that's the most uh, confident, assured thing that can happen. And how the word hope actually uh, has this idea of certainty in it. The Greek word uh, does. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's kind of where we, we, we talked about what hope is last week. So this week and probably going forward, we're going to talk a little bit more about how hope functions in our lives. Uh, so this is the more practical in sort, some sort of ways. And so um, I should probably confess to you uh, that I don't think about hope a lot uh, when life is going well. I, I, I think about hope uh, when life is hard. I think about hope when, when it feels out of control, when the storms of life are coming and I feel kind of tossed about, when I'm worrying, when I'm anxious, or there's stress or there's, there's danger. But, but especially, hope is one of those things that I think about when it feels like I don't have control anymore. Uh, and, and so it's sad to say, I, I hate this, but I'm probably not the only one. I tend to put my hope consciously in God when I don't have control. That's when I, then I say, okay, God, you know, you got to come through here. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about this the other day. One of the, the big times for me, uh, certainly the cancer was one, but a, another one was uh, a number of years ago when our, our daughter was living with us and trying to do graduate school online at our seminary. Uh, and, and work a full-time job, and it, it was just too much. And she decided she had to move to Kansas City. Uh, and so it was with great fear and trepidation that we packed everything into this little car that she has, uh, basically with the rule, if it didn't fit in the car, it didn't go. And we moved her to Kansas City. And, and Jody and I lived in Kansas City. Jenna grew up 
from Kansas City. And so we know that it's a pretty rough place in a lot of, a lot of places. And, and she didn't even have a place to stay. She kind of had, had a job as a youth pastor, but that doesn't pay a whole lot, and, and like most youth pastor jobs. And, and, and so she ended up, she stayed with some friends while she looked for a place to live. And, and I can remember when I flew out of there going, Lord, protect my daughter, you know, protect my daughter. Uh, my, my hope is in you, Lord, and, and, and because I didn't have any control, right? I couldn't rescue her from far away, and, and, and so all I could do was worry. And so um, here, here's what I think about when I think about that, and that's this. Real hope is dangerous. It, it's, it's, it's dangerous. Now, false hope is deadly, but, but real hope is dangerous. And, and so it, the, the part of the, that's dangerous is this idea of you have to trust God. You, you, you got to trust God. You got to put your hope in Him rather than in yourself or whatever other things are money or power or whatever, whatever you would normally put your hope in. You, you put your hope in God. And so th- there's a danger element there. Uh, and we have a tendency to not do that until we've, you know, got absolutely no uh, other choice in our lives. And so uh, it, it's hard for us. It's dangerous. We have to squelch the desire to kind of panic uh, in, the, in the midst of that. And so I want to take us to Hebrews this morning. Hebrews chapter 6, if you have your Bible or if you have the app, uh, there's a Bible uh, in, in there as well. You kind of, I think you go to, um, to contacts and then preaching. Uh, oh wait, you go to Sundays and then the Bible and then read the Bible. And, uh, and you'll have to probably change uh, from the King James Version, unless you particularly prefer that. If you're not used to it, it's, it's a little different. Uh, and then go to Hebrews. You'll, you'll see how to work it. Um, and so uh, the first part of this chapter, um, the writer to the Hebrews has been saying, grow up theologically. Don't get stuck on all the, the be- very beginning things of repentance and, and all that kind of stuff. I, w- I want you to grow up theologically, conceptually is what he's talking about. Uh, and then he kind of launches into this idea uh, of how God keeps his promises, okay? And so beginning at verse 18, I, I want to read this uh, to you today. Uh, God did this so that, okay, what he did was he promised by himself. He vowed by his own name because there's no other name you can do that. Uh, by, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. And the message here is if you disagree with God, you're calling God a liar. Wouldn't recommend that. Uh, and then it goes on. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Okay, this is why he did this. Uh, and that's a really important thing, and I'm going to come back to it, but I want to go past it right now. Uh, we have this hope as an anchor. I love that image. An anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, okay? Uh, And so this section is a little confusing, I think, in English, and it makes a lot more sense. We're going to have to dig into the words a little bit here, Uh, but but it's it's a really important and powerful and I think really encouraging uh, passage. And so uh, the the truth in this one is hope is our anchor in the storm. If you get nothing else, get that. Hope is our anchor in the storm. This is how hope functions. One of the things hope does is it anchors us okay and uh, the good thing out here is you guys kind of get the water metaphors that are in the in the bible Uh, and when I was in Kansas City a little less so they got the farming ones pretty good but the water ones not as much and uh and, and so 
I, I grew up in Grace Harbor where, you know, there's all kinds of rivers coming into the harbor and the ocean. And, and, I, and so I grew up on the water all the time. My dad had, I think, no less than three boats most of my life growing up. Uh, and and I, 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 I got familiar with anchors. Uh, in fact, if you've ever gone to Ocean Shores, you hit Aberdeen. As you hit Aberdeen, you kind of come in. There's, a, there's a, a big hill on one side where the sign is. That's called Think of Me Hill. On the other side of that is actually where I lived. And then on the other side, there's a, there's a river, a big river. There's ships and all kinds of stuff there. That's the Wishkaw River. And we used to do a lot of sturgeon fishing uh, in, in that place. Uh, and, and it had a really strong current. It's a big enough river uh, that you just had to really do it. And so if you really wanted to fish, you had to, you had to put an anchor down. And I can remember every time we'd go out, we would get to wherever we wanted to be and we'd throw the anchor down, you know, and you got to get it to catch. And, and then it would then the, then hold you pretty good in the, in the current like that. And so uh, anchors are super important. If you spend much time on the water, you know, uh, an anchor is a really important thing, unless maybe it's a real calm lake or something. But, but where I grew up, anchors were, were a big, big, big deal. Uh, and so uh, not only do anchors help you in, in the midst of, of tides, which is what we were fighting uh, at that time was the tides, uh, but they also help you in terms of the wind. If you're on someplace where the wind is blowing and if you get the, the water moving and the wind going all at the same time, you can kind of get into a storm and an anchor becomes a really important thing to keep you from crashing into the side, uh, into the shore uh, where the rocks are and you can tear a boat up and, and you, can, you can really be, it, anchors are life-saving. And so uh, what, what the writer of the Hebrews is talking about today is hope anchor. You have a hope anchor anchor. It stabilizes you. It stabilizes your life. It, it keeps you from crashing into the rocks and disaster, and it keeps you from being blown about by every wind that comes along or every tide that comes along or every, every current that, that, that shifts, that, that hope functions as an anchor for our souls, okay? And so um, our hope is anchored in the very dwelling place of God. That's the other thing about anchors. It matters what you connect them to, right? So if you don't get it connected right, it, you kind of you drift with them. But if you get it hooked in the right thing, it, it, it stays there and it's very stable. And, and the passage that we look at here, uh, it says that the anchor uh, is actually uh, caught right in uh, the, the hope is in the very dwelling place of God, it says, okay? Uh, and, and, and the idea is that the, the dwelling place of God was kind of behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies in the, the most sacred part of the temple, uh, which is where they, God dwelled was the idea. God dwells in that place. Um, and Jesus has entered into that. And, and, and we have our anchor, our hope anchor is literally anchored into the dwelling place of God. It cannot be shaken loose. Uh, and again, if you've been around anchors very long, I can remember a couple of times when I was growing up where we would set the anchor and it'd, it'd go really good uh, and we'd be in a pretty good tide, you know, we're tugging against it. And, and, and then we, we would, uh, the flow of the river, and, and when we went to pick it up, we'd try to get it up and we couldn't, you know, and you try and go back and you go different directions, you do all those sorts of things. There's a couple of times when I was growing up where we, we never did get the anchor. We finally just had to cut the rope and, and let it go. We lost, lost the anchor. Uh, and so the writer here draws this wonderful image of this idea of your anchor, your hope anchor, is attached to the, the, the holy of holies. You are anchored directly to God. That's how a Hebrew would have understood that. 
you are anchored directly. And I kind of have this image, and my imagination's a little too much. I, I understand that. But it's this idea of you have this anchor of your life that is hope in, in Christ. And God's got his foot on it, you know. And God's this giant sort of thing. And you can tug and you can pull and you can get all sweaty and go every direction you want to go. You're never getting the anchor out. You're never getting the anchor out. Because you are anchored into Christ Jesus. You are anchored into God, into the holy of holies where God dwells. And so my, my question um, for you is this. Um, how is your hope anchor this morning? How, how are you doing? You feel like you're kind of tossed about by the stuff that's going on or things that are happening in your life or the crisis or the latest sort of thing. The wind blows, the water pulls you. Uh, you, you, you know, you, not quite that hope sort of thing. Well, there, there's an interesting sort of two more words. He said that we have this anchor. And then he uses two words to describe it. And, and the first one is, is this idea uh, that, uh, that it doesn't shift or it doesn't change. The first idea is that it was firm, is what they said. And, and that's the idea of when you step on something uh, that, that, it, that it isn't moving. It doesn't wobble, if you will. And the second one said firm and secure. And secure in the, in the word means bears a, a, a lot of weight. And so um, this, is, this is the idea here, that, that when you put your hope in Christ, <laughs> you can put your feet on it. You, you, can, you can plan it. Have you ever stepped on something that's wobbly a, a little bit? We used to go backpacking in the Olympic Mountains, and we, we had to cross a, couple of, a river a couple of times going across. And, and uh, where it was, it, most people got really, really wet was when it was water that was like knee high and above. So you weren't way, way down in it, but it, you had some pressure against it. And you'd be going across and there'd be these rocks. And some of them were slick near the shore. You got to the middle, they weren't quite as much. So you'd be real careful getting in. And then you'd get about halfway across and you wouldn't be paying attention. You'd hit a rock that was wobbly, you know, and it would wobble and it'd throw you off and you had a backpack on and down you would go right into the water because wobbly would throw you off. Um, and, and so um, the, the idea here is that God's hope is not wobbly. It, it'll feel solid when you get, get to that place. It feels uh, confident. Um, are, you, are you confident that, that, that your hope can bear the weight of your problems? That's the, the second part of that, the secure part. And so the message that the writer is giving us, that God is sending us, is you, you can trust in God's hope. Stop worrying, okay? Stop all that stuff because it's not wobbly. You're not going to fall down and it can bear the weight. No matter how big you think your problem is, your anchor can hold it. It can't pull too hard and you can put your feet on this. Uh, and then it goes on and, and it yeah, takes it to a whole other level. Uh, and that's this idea um, that uh, Jesus is our high priest forever. Uh, verse 19b, it says, uh, it entered the sanctuary behind the curtain, that's the Holy of Holies, uh, where our forerunner, that the one who's gone before is Jesus, has entered on our behalf. So Jesus has already gone into the Holy of Holies. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was an uh, ancient king slash priest uh, that, that worked with Abraham uh, in some things. And he's, he, he's regarded amongst Jews as the, the um, eternal priest, the priest uh, forever. Uh, and, and the idea is that... that, that the priest that goes in, so there's a little Jewish stuff you need to understand here. And you'll remember uh, in the temple, there's several courts and they move further and further in. 
And then in the, the inner part of that is the Holy of Holies. It's the place where, where God dwells. And, and there was a curtain there. And so the idea, uh, if you remember on the cross when Jesus died, the curtain was ripped from top to bottom. And this is the idea that Jesus went ahead of us into the very presence uh, of God, into that, that dwelling place. And, and this was an important place because this is where people met with God. This is where God's people met with him. Only not everybody could do it. Only the priest could go in. And then only once a year and only on the day of atonement and there were a lot of rules about this you had to have um, bells around your your garments so they could hear you moving because uh, because if you did it wrong I mean in the Old Testament you touch the ark and things like that people got struck dead and so it was a fearful sort of thing to go into the very presence of uh, of God and if you kept they kept hearing things jingling then that was fine and if they heard it like a crack of thumber, thunder and then thump and jingle 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 and silence they actually tied a rope to your leg so they could pull you back out because this was a a really big uh, deal for them and so um, so here's the idea that has now opened up to everyone it isn't just the priest that goes in and makes sacrifice and and sprinkles the blood and does all all of those sorts of things and, and when the priest would go in he would go in and he would plead the case of the the, the people he would say to them, yes, we have sinned. We know we have sinned. Uh, and, and here we have made sacrifice. Forgive us and, and heal us. Uh, well, now Jesus is the one that eternally does that, that he's the one that goes in there. Jesus is your priest. Jesus is your representative to the Father. Why would you need anyone else or, or anything else in, in that? He is the one that, that takes care of you. Uh, he, he is your, your personal attorney, if you will, in the presence of God. I don't know, maybe he dresses up in a suit and he's got a suitcase and got his hair all combed nice, you know, and orderly how they are in, in court with an attorney. But you have the best attorney ever. No, never lost a case in his, in his life. And, and so he is your representative. And so I, I want you to hear this, you know, when you mess up, when you fail, when you don't get it right, when you do that thing you know in your heart is wrong, Christ is there to represent you. I, I just imagine he's, he's like, yeah, I, hey, Father, today I, I got Craig here. And Craig is, he, he's just a screw up. I, you know, he messes up. He doesn't do very good. But, but he's doing his best and he loves you. And besides all that, I'll pay the price for, for whatever the consequences are in, in all of this. Uh, and and I've, 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 done, I've conquered death and I've, and I've paid the price. And please forgive him. And, and of course, he, not only is he the best representative ever, he also has an end. He's the son of the judge. He's the son uh, of the, the father. And so um, just, just a wonderful image of all of the things we get with this hope when we grasp uh, this hope. And then, and then I, I feel like a game, lock, game show host. And wait, there's more uh, to all of this. Uh, and, and so not only do we get all of those benefits, but in addition to that, there's great, encourage, great encouragement is ours when we take hold of the hope we have in Christ. 18b says, we who have fled to take hold of the hope, so you leave one thing to take the rest thing, set before us may be greatly encouraged. So we have fled one thing, we take hold of the hope that has been set before us that we might be greatly encouraged. Now I think everybody wants encouragement. Uh, and encourage means more courage. Encourage is more, as discouraged means to be have courage stripped away from you. Uh, and so uh, the idea here is that, that the more you grasp the, the hope we have in Jesus Christ, the more courage you have. And, and I think we see this in day-to-day in -day life. When you really are confident about the outcome, 
you have a lot of courage, man. You, 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 you're like, I, I can do this. I, I can handle this. Uh, and when you're, you're not very confident, you think it's all going to go wrong, then you kind of get this, I don't know if I want to really kind of do this. Should I get involved with this? What, what are we going to do with, with all of this? And, and the writer to Hebrews is saying that hope or that courage comes from hope in Christ Jesus. We have courage. We get encouraged with all of this. And I think one of the best phrases I've, I've ever heard that kind of captures this idea is, is this I, uh, um, idea of what would you do if you absolutely knew you could not fail? What would you do if you absolutely knew you could not fail? That's hope. That, that, that Christ will never fail you. When, when you. when you absolutely know that you're not going to fail, you're willing to try. You, let's go for it, you know? And the other side of that is you absolutely know you're going to fail. You're not going to put your neck out for anything. And so there's an interesting word picture uh, in this with these words, uh, encourage. So, the, so the, word, the Greek word for encourage is literally the idea of coming alongside. It's like you come alongside someone or, or someone calls you up. And the picture I get kind of is like a king, you know, that, that's picked out of the crowd and says, hey, you boy, come on up here, you know. And, and you, you come up next to him. I'm kind of like, okay, sir, you know. And he says, so what's on your mind here? I can see you're troubled. And you know, well, there's this thing over here. And the king's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. I got that. I got plenty of soul. I got power. I got money. I got, I got, I got it. Don't worry about it. That's, that's the idea of being encouraged. You've been called alongside someone that encourages you. Uh, and, and so there's kind of this image where God says, come on up. Come on up. Sit next to me. Sit, tell, me tell me what your troubles are. Tell me what you're, you're worried about. I, I, I got that. I, I got that. I got that. I got, I, got, I got everything. You can't come up with a problem that God doesn't got it in some sort of way or form. And then the word greatly is actually a word that means mighty or strong or powerfully. So like you are powerfully encouraged. Uh, it, it's big. It's a, it's a big deal. Um, powerful, not weak. You are powerfully encouraged because God has called you up there and, and he cannot fail. He never fails. In fact, I, I think of uh, this idea here that um, hope... <laughs> drives out discouragement like light drives out darkness. A discouragement can't exist. You will automatically have courage when you have the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And, and, and that's so powerful to know that it just can't, it can't exist around you. It, it doesn't, just like light, darkness doesn't resist the light. It just is gone. It's, it's there. Darkness is the absence of light and discouragement is the absence of hope. Uh, who wouldn't want this? I mean, what, don't you want this? I want this. I want more of this in my life, I, I suppose. I suppose there's a couple downers out there, you know, they're like, oh, you're kind of Eeyore. Hey, life is so bad and everything's falling, the sky's falling, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and my cornflakes are soggy, and, you know, and you just enjoy being like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's a hard way to live. But I want the hope that we have in Christ, and I really think everyone does. But there's a catch. You knew there was a catch, didn't you? There's a catch uh, to all of this. And uh, Hebrews 6, uh, 18b says, we who have fled to take hold, we'll get back to this verse, uh, the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Kind of back to that verse. The word for take hold there, that, that doesn't mean casually pick up and look at. Like you go to an antique store, you know, and you kind of pick up something that, that looks, you know, maybe my age from my childhood. I look at, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Maybe I'll buy that. You flip it over and look at the price. Ooh, I set that back down, you know. That, that's not, it's not this casual take hold of something or pick something up in a store. It, it actually has the idea of to bring something under your power, uh, to become the master of something. When you take hold of it, you, you obtain it, you, you rule over it. I kind of like the idea of you 
take possession of it. And, and that's what he's saying about this hope. You just don't casually say, well, I think I'll have hope in Christ today and not tomorrow, you know, I mean, you get kind of a deal. Um, the, the idea is that you, you take hold of the hope and then the hope takes hold of you. That, that it becomes a part of your being. You make it your very own. It becomes a part of, of who you are to grasp and hold on to and integrate into your life is this idea of take hold of this. Uh, and, and then the word there for fled, actually the word inside the word contains the idea not of just a fleeing something, but a fleeing to a stronghold, of going uh, to a place of safety. And so it's kind of the word they would use if you're out in the field, you know, and all of a sudden the foreign army shows up and everybody runs for the city to get inside the walls of the city to be safe, to, to flee to a stronghold. And it's an allusion to earlier in the chapter where they're talking about Abraham and a Abraham left everything. He left everything he knew in order to follow God and go where God wanted him uh, to be. And it is a big sacrifice. And, and so um, sometimes you have to let go of the past in order to embrace God's future. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. Uh, we who have fled the old in order to grasp, take hold of, make hope a part of who we are for the prize that's set before us, for the, the encouragement that's set before us. I, I think about this a little bit in terms of my college days. Uh, when I was in college, I was a lifeguard and we would teach uh, swimming lessons to kids. And it's always kind of fun to watch with the kids because, you know, some, some are just, they have like no fear. They just like go diving into the water and you're like, ah! because you're afraid they're going to drown. you got to rescue them, you know. And then others, you know, they're a little more timid. They kind of get a toe in and then maybe a foot. And then they get up to their knees and they sit and they cry, you know. And finally you get them in the water and, and they hold on to the side real tight. And then, you know, maybe you get them to blow bubbles in the water a little bit. And, you know, if you're really good, eventually get them to dunk their head, you know, under. And that's, that's a big breakthrough. You have a big party when that happens, you know. And then you kind of get them to kick and, and you know. But, but eventually... If they want to learn to swim, if they want to enjoy the benefits of the water, they have to let go of the side. And, and that's what this is. You've got to let go. You've got to flee the one thing in order to embrace the better thing. And, and, and if they, they never do that, they'll, they'll never learn to swim. Uh, and, and, and their hope, their trust is in the side of the pool. But, but that's not really where safety is. Safety is in knowing how to swim. That's where the, the safety is. And, and so um, the truth of the matter is this. In order to take possession of God's hope, you have to let go of your own hope. In order to embrace God's future for your life, you have to let go of your past. You have to let go of the old ways of doing it, the old things you put your hope in, all of those things that, that feel safe but, but aren't really safe. You have to let go of the side of the pool. And that, that feels crazy because the side of the pool is solid and you can climb back out and, and you don't have to be in the water. It feels secure. And, and when the big old storms come along, uh, you, it's like, I'm getting out of the pool. I, that's, that's all there is. And I'm afraid of that water out there. I don't know what's in that water. And the, and the water is scary and the, the, the poolside seems safe. And I, I, I got to tell you, uh, just a little confession as a pastor. I probably didn't help with people's fear of the water. I remember uh, when I was in camps and we had, um, we swam in a lake and I, I would, I could hold my breath for quite a while and swim a long way. I was a pretty good swimmer. And I would dive into the water and, and swim quite a ways underneath till I came up on, on some girls and then I'd just kind of brush my hand against the, the uh, or against the, below the knee down there. Uh, and man, did they scream, wow! something touched me what's in the water and they're like olympic athletes getting out of the water together in mass you know kind of a thing and and so we have this fear of the water and and the issue though is the problem really isn't the water the problem is is the fear 
And, and Christ is calling us to let go of the side. And here, here's the good news. When you do that, he, he says that when you let go, God's greatest gift of hope is easily grasped. <laughs> The, the image there of something that's set before you, it actually, the word contains the idea of a great gift. It's like when you come to a king and you offer him a, a great gift and it's, it's right there in front of him and the, the king takes it. And, and so uh, God has given you this great gift. He's set before you this gift of hope, this gift of the new way of living, of trusting him. And, and, and why wouldn't you pick it up? Why wouldn't you grasp it? Why, why would you just walk away? I mean, if, if I came to your house and I set a million dollars in front of you, you wouldn't forget get to pick that up you know or, or have you ever lost something valuable back back way back in the day some of you won't remember this before you know modern cell phones we had these things called PDAs okay I'm really dating myself it was an electronic device with a calendar and some of those things and for an ADHD person an electronic calendar is really helpful and I I really stretched to buy one they were expensive and we didn't make a lot of money and, and so it was a big deal I kept very good care of I kept it in my pocket all of those sorts of things uh, and it was really helpful to me uh, and then one day I, I went to the airport to pick somebody up and the plane was late uh, and, and you know, I, got, I was looking on my PDA and playing with my PDA and, and I was at a counter and right when the, the person showed up I was like, oh man, and I turned around and I hugged them, you know, we got in the car and, and we went home and then I realized I'd left my PDA on the counter I was standing there with and it was like, ah, I'd failed to grasp, I'd failed to integrate into my life the idea of holding on to that all of the time and it was it was a pretty expensive mistake for me and so Jesus is saying when you let go of your past you get God's great gift of hope and it's easy you just reach out but but you do have to let go in fact I'm persuaded that the biggest barrier to hope in people's lives today is fear that people are just afraid of it afraid of the water afraid of letting go of the past Afraid of the things that seem to be giving them safety. One of my, my favorite uh, Bible stories uh, is a story that, that happens right after he's fed 5,000. He's been preaching and teaching all day long. He feed, does this huge miracle, feeds 5,000. He's exhausted. And so uh, they're beside the Sea of Galilee. He puts the disciples in the boat and says, start, start for the other side. A number of them are professional fishermen, so they probably sailed part of the way. But it records that the, the wind was against them, so maybe now they're rowing and, and they're not making any progress. They're kind of stuck in the middle of this lake in the middle of the night. They were used to being on the water at night. Jesus goes up to a mountain to pray, and it records it's very late at night. Uh, and so he decides to go out and, and catch up with him. So he walks. Uh, and, and he's walking out there. And again, professional fishermen who spend their lives fishing at night, when they see somebody walking to and on the water, they're going like, that's not normal. That has got to be a ghost. And they are terrified in, in through all of that. It's just a horrible thing. And, and so Jesus kind of calls out to them. And Peter's not sure. And then in a moment of absolute insanity, Peter, who is a professional fisherman, says to Jesus in the midst of this storm and all that's going on, he says, if it's really you, Lord... Ask, call me to come to you and Jesus says come now what kind of a crazy fisherman gets out of a boat in the middle of a storm but Peter steps over the side of the boat gets out there and starts walking towards Jesus and it's like you imagine the guys in the boat going oh my goodness what's going on with this guy you know and he's walking there and then some point along the way before he gets to Jesus it suddenly dawns on him what am I doing? Why did I step out of a boat in the middle of a storm? I'm going to die here. And he begins to sink. And then there's a really interesting point where Jesus reaches out and grabs him 
and pulls him up and says, why did you doubt? Why did you look at the storm and, and those sorts of things? And I think the interesting point is Jesus was going to save him either way. If he had walked all the way out there and maintained faith, he would have been right there with Jesus. But even when he doubted and began to sink, Jesus rescued him. And that's great encouragement to me. Because sometimes I start real good and in the middle of it I get my eyes on the wind and the waves and off of Jesus and, and I begin to sink and Jesus is going to save you. The second thing, just as a side note, because this is just a little irritation for me, but I've heard so many preachers preach about how bad it was for Peter, you know, and he didn't, he didn't, why didn't he keep his eyes on faith? These guys are all still in the boat that are criticizing the guy that has walked on water. Peter is the only guy other than Jesus that has walked on water, that felt it be solid, not wobbly, as he walked across in that, that, that place. And so um, I, I, I just, I want you to understand this. Um, you have to let go. Uh, and, and here's the truth, though. If you're willing to let go of the side of the pool, if you're willing to step out of the boat, if you're willing to, to put away the past and embrace the future, there is so much good that comes to your life out of Christ's hope. The anchor that can't be moved, you can't be tossed from side to side, and the winds and the storms and all, all of those sorts of things. The, the stability of it, the strength of it to bear whatever your problems are through all of this. The, the great high priest that represents you in Jesus Christ to, to God the Father when you mess up. And the, the encouragement that comes from that. And, and so um, hope is dangerous because it requires us to step out we know and trust. That's why it's dangerous. It takes a step of trust. Trust and faith are functionally the same. In order to put our hope in Jesus, we got to let go. So if you want real hope, step out of the boat. Step out of the boat today. Trust him. You're tired of being tossed around? Let him have control. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, I just uh, pray that you would... Um, be especially with those, Father, that are struggling today. Uh, Father, I confess that when things are going pretty good, I don't think a lot about this. But I know for some, they're thinking a lot about it because life feels real out of control and feels like they're being tossed about. And, and so, Father, I pray that even right now, you would, um, you would come into that, the room, Father, that you would speak to them and that you would, uh, Father, give them the courage and the strength to put their hope in you, Father, that they might get all these great benefits that come with hope in Christ. I pray, Father, for all of us, Lord, that you would continue to give us hope, continue to remind us that we trust God. <laughs> we trust you, we trust you, we trust you through all things, when it's good and when it's not good, Father. I pray that you would just be glorified. Inhabit us and make us a people of hope, I pray. And it is in Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.